Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. Is 2023 the year that New Zealand seizes the nettle on climate action, or is it another year of incremental change? And what effect will the election, with a potential change of government, have on the direction and speed of climate policy? Well, to shed some light, I dusted off the old crystal ball and spoke to three experts about the year ahead. Mark Dalder, Newsroom's climate reporter, Dr. Victoria Hatton, Director of Sustainability and Climate Change at PwC, and Rowan McMahon, partner at the Climate Venture Capital Fund. I started with Mark, asking him to discuss the year ahead in politics. Mark Dalder, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, whatever we discuss now about the politics of climate coming up, it will be overshadowed by the election, which is due to happen in October. And uh, the reason that's important is because there may be a change of government. And with a change of government, Mark, I'm interested, would there be a wholesale di- change in direction for climate legislation? Would a national-led government effectively start over? I think it would be a change in speed, but not necessarily a change in direction. I think National is pretty locked into the basics of the Zero Carbon Act in terms of emissions budgets, which they've said that they support the current the current uh, budget set by the government and the Climate Change Commission. Set by uh, they're locked into the Climate Change Commission and its advisory role. Although um, the new climate spokesman spokesperson for the party, Todd Muller, said last week, you know, that it was an advisory body and that they listen to that advice, but there are other considerations. Um, National has also said that they support the Paris target that the government set in 2021, which is quite ambitious as well and quite a lot more ambitious than the one that uh, National set under John Key when we signed up to the Paris Agreement. Mm -hmm. So in general, you know, they support the targets, you could say, and Mm -hmm. the architecture, but the way to get there is probably going to look a bit different under National. Mm -hmm. And there's always the question as well of, to what degree ACT has leverage over national in a future national ACT government, because that could uh, lead to a a greater change in direction rather than velocity. Mm, Okay, interesting. All right, so what we're going to talk about now still has relevance. It's not like the legislation that's imminent. We're likely to continue with that kind of direction, even if it changes in in emphasis or, or velocity, as you mentioned. So what is still... To do what is on the government's agenda this year? I think the the big thing on the agenda this year, from the government's perspective, is pricing agricultural emissions, and that is something where we see quite a bit of uh, difference of perspective between the National Party and the government. Mm. Um, so this is the conclusion of the Hawaka Ekanoa process, which uh, allowed the agricultural sector to develop its own approach to managing emissions was submitted to the government, I think, in around about uh, probably about August or September last year. The government have come back with some recommendations, and now it's in a, it's at the stage of what submissions and select committee hearings and so on? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's um, consultation is closed. The government is now working on developing the detailed policy. They put out a bit of a report late last year uh, saying, you know, 
essentially we've heard your concerns, farmers, and we've made a couple of changes already that we're able to announce, but the full mm-hmm. details are still to be developed. One of those big changes was the announcement of a, um, a, a essentially a locked-in price path for the methane price over the first five years of the scheme so that it is capped above going too high and, and, and an un, in, an unexpect, in an unexpected direction. Yeah. Um, you know, m- my view has generally been that the Hewaka Ekanoa scheme was extremely generous to farmers and that the government's response was also very generous to farmers. The, the proposal is essentially that they pay maybe $5 per ton of methane in, in, in carbon equivalent units that, that they release. They adopt certain technologies. They can get 50 bucks back for every ton that they avoid. And so it incentivizes change not through a price like the ETS, but rather through these incentive payments um, to to essentially, you know, subsidize farming's transition. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the time frame on that, Mark? When are we likely to hear the actual detail um, and what kind of legislation does it result in? Yeah, the details should be coming out hopefully in the next few months because the government's been working on this for a while and they clearly had... Uh, gotten far enough to be able to release a bit of an indicative report late last year. Um, it will need legislation because currently uh, the Zero Carbon Act says that we get to 2025 and agriculture goes into the ETS. So mm. you need to change that and you need legislation to set up the scheme. Uh, it's pretty clear that legislation is not going to get through before the election. It might be introduced, but it won't be passed. Mm. And so really uh, the scheme is up to the final scheme is up to whoever's in government after the election. I see. And hence your con- concern or what you were highlighting before, that this is probably the one piece that will be hotly debated and there'll be a huge amount of politics around. We know how strong the farming lobby groups have been and how aligned they have been, particularly with Todd Muller, right, who has come from an agricultural background. What else is uh, on the list of to-dos for this government? So um, there's always every year the setting of uh, ETS price controls, which always sounds very boring, but it's really important in, in terms of making sure the carbon market works as it's intended. And ETS is expected to be able to reduce tens of millions of tons of emissions over the next few decades. Uh, it's a really, really big part of our climate program. And so getting those settings right, as technical as they might sound, actually have a really big impact. Mm. So again, late last year, the, the government ended up rejecting the Climate Change Commission's advice. The commission had said, look, we need to increase the, the sort of soft price ceiling that exists in the ETS to make sure that the carbon price can rise higher if it needs to. Um, they didn't think it would rise all the way to that new ceiling, but they wanted to give it room to for the market to find the right price. Mm-hmm. They rejected that and said, essentially, no, we're going to keep the ceiling quite low. We're going to, therefore, sort of artificially depress the carbon price, partly because, uh, you know, politically speaking, it's not a good time to be uh, raising electricity prices, to be raising petrol prices, to be raising food prices. And really, the carbon price does flow into everything Mm. in a pretty minor way at the moment. But that was the consideration of the government. Uh, The emissions reduction plan uh, has still got some tweaking to do. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the emissions reduction plan, um, it's mostly finalized, but now we're, we have to see it kick into gear to actually start cutting emissions. So we've got our emissions budgets for 
five-year periods, although the first one is a four-year budget from 2022 to 2025. Mm-hmm. So we're 23 now. We've done the first year of the budget. Actually, we've not got that much time left for these policies to start reducing emissions before we get to the end of 2025. And so a lot of the imp- implementation work of that plan is going to be going now. Um, in the background, the Climate Change Commission is also going to be working on its advice for the next emissions reduction plan, which will cover mm-hmm. 26 to 2030. Um, and the uh, government will sort of start thinking, I imagine, about how to make that work as well. In in other plans news, there's the National Adaptation Plan, which also came out last year and is on the same sort of track as the emissions reduction plan in that now's the time to start implementing it. Now's the time to start getting those actions done. Um, a lot of that was maybe less concrete, I'd say, than the emissions reduction plan. It was, mm-hmm. it was a lot more sort of, we need better data to be able to understand the impacts on, on regions. We need better regulatory frameworks and that sort of thing. So it might not be the sort of stuff that people notice in their everyday lives, but it'll be really important as as the government sort of starts to come face to face with the impacts of climate change and figuring out how do we create a country that's more resilient to them. Um, that work is really going to be kicking off behind the scenes, but th- this year as well. Mark, as the year rolls out, is there anything on your agenda that you would uh, hope might be achieved? Uh, uh, and let's be realistic about that hope. But um, what, what would be a great outcome, in your opinion? You mean if I get to the end of the year and I say, wow, this this is a great year? Exactly. Um, I think that the election campaign will be really crucial. Um in, in terms of seeing how how is climate change discussed as a policy issue. Um, we saw in 2020, you know, COVID overshadowed everything. There wasn't that much concrete discussion of climate, but insofar as, as it existed, you know, national was not particularly ambitious. Will we actually see national trying to cast itself maybe in the mold of the UK conservatives who are strong on climate while still being a conservative party? Um, or will it sort of, fall back to some of those older tactics uh, of of delay and and maybe a bit of sort of soft core denial. Um, And that's really important because it frames how the rest of the country thinks about climate change and how we grapple with climate change. Even if National loses the election, um, it's a big difference to have a bipartisan commitment to reducing emissions as Mm -hmm. opposed to having a uh, just one party or one side of the, the, the house. And, and how would you like them to be talking about climate change? I mean, I'd like them to be probably a bit more explicit and acknowledging that it's a, a, a major issue. You know, even Chris Hipkins, the new prime minister, I asked him about climate change uh, in his first press conference. And he said that, it, you know, as as much as we need to focus on the short-term crises, like the cost of living and the economy, that climate change remains a major issue for him and that, that you know, that's not going to change as compared to, to Jacinda Ardern's government. Um, so that was reassuring to hear and probably one of the right ways to talk about it as, you know, actually it is it is a crisis. It might not be a crisis that needs to be immediately addressed with all of our attention, but we can't just shove it in, in a closet until we get through the economic mm-hmm. stuff because then you're too late by the time you come back to it. So a bit more, more of that attitude for National would be good. And it, some real specific policy on, you know, if they don't think the government's doing it right in terms of reducing emissions, how will they do it given that they've committed to the same targets? You know, it's it's not credible to essentially say um, the government's done it all wrong, but we commit to the same targets, but we'll just get there with the ETS. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have some some concrete policy 
And so if we get to the end of the year and there's been there have been two competing visions of how to achieve the emissions budgets that are both credible, that would be mm. really good because it shows that you have a mature debate about climate policy and about the direction of the country. Mark Dorda from Newsroom, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. This Climate Business is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.